This is Jonathan Fox, and we are now in session at Jack Rabbit Soundcheck. Hey guys, welcome into the studio. Thanks for coming in and being here. I know everybody's busy and got things going on. And I know uh, your bass player, Dylan, had to to take off and bug out early. No worries, but appreciate him coming in too. And I know that you have to get to a rehearsal as well, so we'll try not to keep you too long. Uh, yeah. 
really enjoyed the music. Uh, for those of you listening, you're about to hear some great music by the Jonathan Fox Band. <clears throat> Just to start off, um, how I came about meeting you was at Tellers at a show that you were playing. You were actually playing bass. Mm -hmm. Now you're playing guitar. Um, if you want to mention a little bit about how that all happened and maybe the different formations of the band. Yeah, uh, there's been, I guess you would say this is kind of like the third formation, if you will. And and as of a few months ago, kind of now swaying into calling it Jonathan Fox, which may be temporary, which may be permanent as far as the Jonathan Fox band. You know, we had two records, and now I think that band's come to a close indefinitely. So you know. think you're just going to move over toward Jonathan Fox as opposed to the Jonathan Fox band? Yes. Okay. I changed some of the, you changed the <clears throat> Facebook page, and that's a big deal because I think it deal, says man. on there you can only change it like twice and then like, mm. then, mm -hmm. well, it did say that at one time, and then after that it just canceled the option. There must have been a lot of work for the yeah. crew at Yeah, and you guys became yeah. Facebook official with yourselves? Yes. Oh. So anyways, the first uh, iteration, we did a record called 20-something Runaway, and I was playing with the same drummer, Tristan, and then another guitar player, Scott, who y'all had in here with a couple of his bands, and then... Scott Blanco from Fun Eye Fidelity. Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. And then um, another bass player who ended up moving out of town. And so in the transition after that bass player moved, I was just trying to find different bass players, and it happened one morning. I was in bed. It was like 10 on a Saturday, and some number called me from a college needing a band to play at their event in like two hours and so i called the two two or three bass players i knew and they were unavailable and i had a bass so i said i'll just do it i'll see what happens mm. if i need to just play the root notes that's fine and it went pretty well and i didn't think anyone was going to notice that at that particular college event before a football game kind of kind of crowd mm -hmm. <laughs> so it went well and then we just kind of kept running into situations where like well i'll play bass and we'll have this other guitar player who's Tristan Boyd, the drummer's uh, brother-in-law, who's a great guitar player, uh, Stephen. And then we just kind of kept playing like that as that kind of formation in it for like a year and a half and mm -hmm. ended up recording where I played bass and then I did a lot of guitar and then Stephen did some of the guitar too. And then that led to Teller. So there we were playing so, bass. So the yeah. whole time you were kind of wanting to go back to playing guitar? Not necessarily. At the start of it... I probably thought it was temporary, and then I started to really like the bass and enjoy the bass mm -hmm. and actually learn about the bass because I, for 10 years, just kind of thought it was a filler instrument, which couldn't be further from the truth. And so it really helped as far as learning uh, a different point of view in the music and, and how it can be used, and I really enjoyed it, but it is difficult in some moments to sing at the same time, and I'm still just a guitar player, you know, first and foremost, I think. So mm -hmm. after a while, I was trying to look for ways to get back while we were playing so we were going to shows as a trio with me on bass but i was looking for excuses like i'm going to loop the bass now and then i'm going to play guitar so that i can get a solo in during the show and steven uh -huh. so and then we were trying to loop a couple songs which was actually really fun and challenging doing loops like that but it became apparent that just get another bass player might might well i thought it. you sounded great i mean i was impressed because uh for those of you that are listening and weren't at the teller show they covered a police song and you can't be a you know a slack bass player and pull off sting. I True. mean, you know, he's a pretty good bass player. Um, you know, not like major frills or anything, but mm -hmm. he, he really knows how to lay down the pocket. Yeah. And I thought you were pulling it off. Well, so. thank you. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I mean, that was at the, at the end of it, I think of like that point, I knew that I wanted to get back to the car, but I really like playing bass now and enjoy it. I'm still, I had a possibility to play with 
Wes, who's here playing drums with me now with his band playing bass, maybe, which I'm still hoping they're going to ask me something. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of your other bands, if you want to mention that? Sure. Edison Chair is my main group, and hopefully we'll be in session soon. Sweet. We hope so. And Wes, yeah, and you're pretty new with Jonathan Fox? Yeah, we met. Uh, we work at the same music school, Band-Aid okay. School of Music, and that's how we met. Um, six or eight months ago or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, this guy's funny. Who's this guy? He's <laughs> always cracking jokes. The thing that. is, though, if you remember the first couple of meetings I came to, I was very quiet. I didn't talk much. People didn't yeah, know it until the Christmas that's party. That's true. You know? It's the Christmas party. Not, yeah. That's where everybody's true self comes out. Yeah. What, did y'all end up getting hammered and just... We had a couple yeah. of drinks, and I got uh, a little loose finally during <laughs> yeah, bowling. Yeah. Bowling yeah. Though, can be intimidating because I'm, I'm usually really horrible. But where, I did. Okay. where did y'all go to bowl? Westgate Lanes. Oh, okay. I right. love bowling. It's fun. I'm not very good. Oh, you were good. I was making fun of you. Yeah, well, not making fun. I was teasing. That's how I, I got myself into there. I've got a solid 90 average for bowling. <laughs> there yeah, you I'm, go. I'm pretty good. Well, I was no. excited to hear, Wes, that you were in Edison Chair because we've actually contacted them and tried to get them on, but I know, or you guys on, mm-hmm. uh, but I know that you've been sort of, were you on the road or something? You've been busy, and they just basically were like, not right now, but we want to come on the show. But now that we've got you on... And, you know, you see what it is all about. You can kind of take it back there and sell it to them. Yeah, So if you're absolutely. listening, guys, we're looking forward to having you on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Uh, Wes, what was your education like? I saw on your Facebook you interned at Case 101 for a little while. I did for a semester uh, doing, because I ended up with a degree in radio, television, film, and a minor in music recording. Okay. And so that was one of my internships, I think, for that radio stuff. Did you go to Texas State? I went to UT. You went to UT? Okay, gotcha. I don't know why I thought Texas State. That's I weird. transferred from Al- I went to Alabama for two years and then I transferred to UT. Okay, gotcha. And what was the uh, what was that experience like as far as the internship went over at Case? Um, it was interesting. I learned about the inner workings of radio. I can formulate this. Also, I guess it's a little tough to see like how little choice you really have in what music's being played on the station yeah I, it uh, was mostly uh, like i mean there's the hits of that month the mm-hmm. hits of all time and then you get to every once in a while interject something new in there but but right. that's not even what i'm saying new i'm saying something new by one of those people who's already making the hits right yeah <clears throat> i um uh, used to know a guy who worked for a uh, like a, a mix radio station like playing like the top 40 kind of deal and um i went into into the studio while he was working one night and just watching just his list of songs just kind of came down from above and he just had to find a way to put it all together and fit it into like a certain hour and then he would record these little clips of himself saying things in yeah, between and that. then he would just automate it you know automate what I mean? but, a lot of it but yeah he had very little control over what was actually going on it was kind of interesting to there's, see there's some radio stations that really do like pick local music and all different types of music and have more of a, I guess, what you would think radio would be. But some of the more popular, more pop-type radio stations are su- super automated, and mm-hmm. they're give, being like told at some level what all they need to play. Gotcha. And what did they have you doing kind of specifically? Was it just what they needed to help out? Or? Yeah, and I, I made a, a Texas playlist on the, for the weekends. Okay. Right. Sweet. Well, there you, you go. go. You actually got to you know, set something up for them. Yeah, That's cool. So I made that. And you said you did that for a semester. When was that? I must have been a junior, so it must have been 2010. Okay, so it's... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute. Um, okay. And these uh, songs that you brought in for us today, are they newer songs? Yeah, I think all the ones we played are newer ones. Okay. Um, and you did one cover. Yeah, we did a we cover. Did one cover, which is brand new, too. We played that last night for the first time. 
Oh, how much had y'all practiced it? That's going to be the one we closed the show out with, guys, just so you know. We played it twice at practice, I guess, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Luckily, right. Dylan and Wes are, are great musicians, so it mm-hmm. really takes a load off of me when we go to rehearsal and they the first time we played it, it, it all went smoothly. So. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer Dylan uh, isn't here because I think we would have liked to talk to him. He was a really good bass player. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean yeah. you guys were really Solid on point. Yeah. in the pocket. Just listening know. to the playback before even mixing this stuff, it sounded... Uh, Sounded pretty on point. Nice. Yeah, nice. Dylan's a great player, and he's he always studies. He did his text, text us awesome. and say to say thank y'all to y'all okay. for your professionalism. Awesome. Thank you, Dylan. Well, you're welcome, Dylan. Thank <laughs> you for coming in. We yeah. miss you. And we really liked your gig bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Wes, how long have you been playing drums? Um, I've been doing. Let's see. I've been playing drums for. I always, I always think it's one number, but then I say that number for multiple years. I've been saying it's always twelve <laughs> years for a long time. Right. Yeah. It must be. Yeah, it must be about 12 or 13 years. Okay. Um, but seriously started in middle school. Okay. When I did beginning percussion. And that kind of got me uh, more on track. Otherwise, I was just putting on headphones and making noise. Gotcha. And did you have any formal training for like a full drum kit? Or was it kind of just what you learned from the percussion area? Or? No, I, I actually had some really great teachers. Um, Sweet. The, my last uh, drum teacher, which that was back in high school, so that was a while ago. But uh, Stephen Bidwell. So he plays. I've heard the name. Yeah, he plays with Hard Proof, and he he plays all over. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, I had I was really fortunate to have a lot of great music teachers, whether it was private lessons or through school. Um, yeah. Nice. What what middle school and high school? Because I I work at a music store and we rent instruments, percussion kits to all the oh, school yeah. kids. Just curious, what uh, <laughs> middle school, high school did you go to? I went to small middle school. Yeah. Glen Small, and then I went to Bowie High School. We do uh, a lot of rentals for them. Yeah. <laughs> for both or just for Bowie? For both. For both. Huh. All right. <clears throat> Mostly the middle schools is what, you know, the they're they molding the these people to go to Bowie because Bowie's got a very serious band, you know. Yeah. Did you do snare drum or? Uh, in marching band? I played uh, tenors. Oh, cool. Or quads. So that was I played fun. snare. So nice. I always wanted to play quads, but they, I don't know, put me on snare. They're like, we need you on the snare yeah. line. <laughs> don't leave. <laughs> It was a fight over who would play the quads, kind of. I don't know yeah. if it was like that when you were in there, but it was fun. I, th- I think people were scared by how heavy they were. And I had sort of snare skills. I don't know reading. Right. I'd done like competitions and stuff. But enough about me. Back on what you guys are talking about. So that's cool. You went to Bowie and Clint Small, um, and then did you go to UT as well? No, actually, I've just uh, out of high school. I just was playing in bands, and at that point, kind of seemed like we might be close to a deal or something. So been playing ever since um and now i'm doing classes like kind of on my own ACC. teaching Are teaching taking, and, and taking yeah. taking classes like individual classes through acc yeah exactly but on instrument like on drumming or like on what no just more toward i'm actually interested in rtf but uh just kind of getting basics out of the way and stuff you know gotcha what, radio television and film i think for those who don't know yes the yes Perfect. i want to talk a little bit about the songs um out of these songs, maybe, I don't know if you want to go, we probably don't want to necessarily go through all of them. Maybe pick which ones are most important to you and maybe tell a little bit about, you know, <laughs> if you don't know what the order was off the top of your head, we've got no light in sight, nobody knows in the universe. I think it's interesting to see here on, I think on your notes, Vance, with next to nothing to lose, you put uh, voice reminds me of Ryan Adams. <laughs> now I was, I was reading something actually about you online, doing a little bit of research and 
when you were kind of transitioning more from a country style into, you know, you kind of your own deal, they had noted that Ryan Adams was a singer songwriter that you had kind of looked into or listened to a lot. Yeah. He's one of my time. favorites. Yeah. He's so. one of my top, top three people I listen to. Gotcha. Um, I can hear that. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. I like that then. Yeah, See, but it, coincidentally, I've never seen him in concert. I've seen my other top three heroes. What are your other top three? Uh, the Beatles. So I've seen Paul McCartney. And, okay. And Ringo Starr when I was a kid, though I don't think I wanted to see it when I was <laughs> Together or like on No, 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 separate. Okay. I saw Paul McCartney a couple years back in Austin. Oh, okay. And then John Mayer. Mm, mm -hmm. Those are like my top three guys. Um, at least if like, like long term, who I've known for a long time. Uh, while we're through on, the music, while we're on, while <laughs> not, we're on not influences, <laughs> what Wes? What are your top three drummer influences? All right, man. Hard to say. Okay, you don't uh, have it ready, man. You have to have it ready. Oh, I, I got it. I got <laughs> John it. John Bonham, <laughs> uh, Mitch Mitchell. Okay, love Mitch Mitchell. Chad Smith, Chili Peppers. You mean Will Ferrell? Yeah, same oh, guy. God. I'm so glad they did the drum off because oh, I yeah. always thought that. I, was, yeah. I mean, for years. I think everybody. Yeah, I guess everybody. That, yeah. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty, it's pretty funny when you look at them. Yeah. Um, and then third, I mean, I really love Ringo's drumming, but from there it could be Ringo or John Bonham or any of the greats. You know, it's funny. I saw a quote online and I don't know if it's real or not, but it was like superimposed over Beatles photos where they were being interviewed. I think someone asked Paul McCartney, um, do you think Ringo Starr is the best drummer in the world? And I think John Lennon responded and he was like, I don't think Ringo's the best drummer in the, the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've seen that one. I have lots of influences. The same, you know, being a drummer, John Bonham, Terry Bozio. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I saw the pictures and stuff. Stuart Copeland. Yeah, I didn't know mm -hmm. if you saw his autograph mm -hmm. in there. I was in an so opera cool. thing that he was in. But My drummer from high school looks just like him. So every year <laughs> on his birthday, I tell Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, happy birthday. But he's he's <laughs> playing right. another band called Goodbye June out of Nashville, and they play for ZZ Top a bunch this past wow. year. Wow. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Well, going back to the songs, uh, I starred the, my, the two favorite out of all the ones that you played uh, in the universe, very pop-sounding, radio-friendly sort of pop song, Nothing to Lose. That was the one that I said I thought your voice sounded a little like Ryan Adams or somebody else, but I couldn't place it. Uh, it's just I guess those two songs are kind of more of the poppy tunes that you mm -hmm. did that are maybe more listener-friendly? Is that, sure. am I on the right track? Yeah, definitely nothing. I think both those. I think you're spot on with those. Those are two. And then uh, Nobody Knows seems to be one that, that people really like and we really like playing. They kind of evolved into that. Somebody else had to kind of tell me that that's that's a really good one. That's the slower one, right? Yeah, because yeah. I had um, I put out the last record a little over a year ago, The Lover Lust, uh, which I was playing when, when we met. And since then, I've really just been trying to work more than anything on writing. And so trying a lot of different approaches and writing a lot of music and a lot of songs, but I haven't really known which ones are good or not. So I like that. Nobody knows. And Nothing to Lose. Actually, both those. I, I, I will write the song, then sit in my apartment, my little home studio, studio apartment, if you will. <laughs> and um, then demo them. And I demoed four or five songs and Nothing to Lose and Nobody Knows were on there. But... I didn't think they were like as good as the other ones, so I just sent the other ones off, and then I later, like a few weeks later, fine, I'll send these as a B, B side, and yeah, they said those two. We gotta play those two, and they've been our like top two, I think, mostly from playing. Yeah, the first time you sent me recordings, 
Jonathan's funny because he'll he'll always send like thirty songs on the I'm set really list, bad at this. and he'll be like, I don't know, we might play any of these or none of these. We'll figure it out. And so I'm like, That's uh, almost what y'all didn't hear today, y'all. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I rationalize and say it's like it's it's keeping us like you know loose and stuff, which yeah. I, maybe it does, maybe I don't really know. But set list stuff, I'm getting worse and worse at that. To be honest, because it's because I'm writing all the time, and I I have this feeling like I'm I'm about to write the best one I've ever written, mm. but I don't really know because I've got so much stuff out there right now. So I'll make this list like three weeks in advance, but then I won't send it. I'll just put it in my draft emails. And then the next yeah. day I'll check it out, and then I'll listen to all the songs. And I'm like, I'm not ready yet. Tomorrow, there's going to be a day this week where I'm ready to send it. And then I delete one, I put a new one, and then I make a whole cover, like covers Spotify playlist. And then I sort through them. And then I send... The first one, maybe two weeks. I hope that you guys, this is an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I send the email, but then I put a little asterisk in there, like, this may change. <laughs> I'm going to get these five new songs, demos for them in the next week, and then it comes a week, and I'm still working on the demos, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this one anymore, but this mm-hmm. one's good, and I send them, like, this demo, but then I changed, like, last last minute. You guys should just invest in a cork board and put it in, like, yeah. in, the, in the practice space. Just put a list of whatever 30 songs, and each of you just get some darts, and they just take turns. <laughs> yeah. We could do that, but, see, I like to, hopefully, they're getting better over time, so then they just push the other ones off the bottom. Uh, but right now, it's it's a matter of exploring what I have. I've it, since January wrote like sixty five and cataloged sixty five out of whatever, and I don't know which ones out of that man. I'll give you access. You want to listen to sixty five songs? <laughs> yeah, I want to. <laughs> some right. of them are finished demos. Some of them are kind of like a verse and a chorus, and then I just turn my phone off. They're all recorded on my phone. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, do you uh, want to introduce us to the next song we're gonna play? Nobody knows. This is Jonathan Fox, and this song is Nobody Knows. Live in session at Jack Rabbit Soundcheck. They have the certainty 
They tell you to pray Absolution will come To those who believe And love seems so phony But at the same time The only real thing To exist and reason And if no So, Jonathan, um, I want to talk to you on this next segment a little bit about your experience on the road and kind of starting from back when you first started writing and playing music up through your uh, 20-something Runaway record. Now, I'd seen that, I think, Time was the name of your first full-length record. Did you write that in college? Yeah, I did that in college and recorded all of it in my apartment, too. Okay, how many songs was that? Twelve. Twelve? We did drums somewhere else. But that was like my introduction to recording myself. I had done some demos before and been in studios. Like before that, we did this country. I did this country one in two thousand nine uh, at the Panhandle House in Denton, uh, and so I had some experience with like legitimate studio stuff. But then I bought a bunch of equipment, computer and recording equipment, and learned that a little before and then as I was making that record time. Uh, so I guess that's senior year. Gotcha. But this is, again, in college, and you said you minored in recording arts? Uh-huh. Yeah, so you kind of you had a little bit uh, about what was going on. Um, at least you knew a little bit about what was going on with it. So what kind of were the songs about on that record? What was the feeling as far as writing that full length? It's more country, that time we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's more country. Um, the whole lineage from me starting guitar, I was like punk rock. And then I thought I was going to maybe quit after like a show didn't go well. But then I migrated to country, which is an opposite scene. Mm-hmm. So after, because Blink-182 was where it was at, man. <laughs> yeah, and then I couldn't so be as perfect of a copy in my band in middle school. just didn't work out. Yeah. So I ended up doing like country stuff, but there was still like John Mayer pop guitar rock stuff. Jack Johnson, whatever, at that at that time. Okay. And so... That's what I was doing through college, was playing country and playing in bars. And so was this more like um, drinking country, or was this crying country? 
Oh, you know, I don't even know if it fits in either one of those. Okay. Um, Texas country, probably. Texas country. Okay. Maybe a little bit more, like, kind of grasping for rock and pop, but coming out of country. So you've played with a couple of fairly well-known names around Texas. David and I were discussing that. What uh, I know, I saw, I recognize one of the artists. Uh, we, but when we were doing that, I played with a bunch of those Texas country guys, Randy Rogers uh-huh. and Josh Abbott. Oh, yeah. And played with Lee Bryce in Alabama one show, Adam Hood. Do I have any bigger names I can rest off? <laughs> I mean, did you like full on tour with these people? No, no, these are these are one off stuff that I got. A couple of them I played with two or three times, and some of them just once. Gotcha. And what was that? Uh, what was that experience like? They were fun, and some of the biggest crowds I had played with at that time. Um, there was something about my music that I didn't totally feel like I fit in. They were Texas country was this way, and there was something about mine that was a little different. And so I, I think we got into some situations a lot where we probably rocked a little harder than the show maybe asked for, gotcha. something like that. So you were starting to kind of figure things out and kind of really starting to get your, your flow going mm-hmm. with this stuff? Still figuring it out, because there is bands sure. in that Texas country genre that are like southern rock and they rock hard, but we were something, I guess, was bluesy that didn't totally fit in. Okay. But that could have just been my take on it. I don't, I don't know. We were still getting asked to play those shows and reaching out to play those shows until it was kind of obvious with the 20-something Runaway that it wasn't really a country album anymore. There's right. like, there is like one country song on that. <clears throat> There's definitely country influence on there a little bit still, but it's it's a little more broad. Yeah. You know, um, I've listened, listened to quite a little bit of it. So how much outside of uh, Texas touring did you do? I didn't do a lot. Um, of that type of touring when you think about going out for several weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived in Alabama, so I played there and a little, little bit at like some of the songwriter open mic type of things in Nashville, just like visiting. But mostly I've played like Texas and Oklahoma. And then between those, just Austin and Dallas, Fort Worth the most. And I would play like a year or so ago when I was playing the most that I was playing 85 shows a year or something and it's all within texas area so but the most we play in a row is like three three in a weekend or something uh, it's still still a decent amount yeah how, how many do how many are you doing now maybe in a year 50 right now i've been spending more time writing i want to make sure that i can <clears throat> write something that i really know i want to put forth for the next year or something and record and well plus you don't want to be playing every weekend in austin i mean I think some bands do too much of that. And yeah, I've done like, a little too much of that. Then they end up playing to an empty house because they're like, ah, they'll play next week, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so and, and when I lived in New Mexico, I was in bands, and we made it a point to only play once a month in town. Yeah, you know, exactly. Because otherwise you burn out the whole town, you know, and nobody comes to see you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not that bad. I think if the, uh, the artist is writing, continually writing new stuff, you know, has something new to offer the audience, but there's kind of a, a fine line you've got to draw in between consistently playing and then writing as well because you've got to make time for both. And it depends on your fan base. I mean, Bob Schneider <clears throat> can go and play at Saxon Pub and always pack the house. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, he's got that kind of following. Yeah. but And hopefully you will too. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and so moving on to 20-something Runaway, you produced and mixed that yourself. I produced 20-something Runaway... Uh, I didn't mix it. You didn't mix it? Mm. That one, we actually went to another studio, um, Good Danny's, uh, over in, it was in East Austin, they just moved to Lockhart. Okay. And uh, Grant Johnson was mixing it and helped uh, helped with a lot of different things, and he he mixed it. 
Uh, and so that one was a little bit less responsibility on me uh, as far as the recording process. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's nice to take your ears off of your own project. It was. I mean, it was a different experience because when we moved to the next one, Love or Lust, which we did all in my apartment and I played like all the instruments except for one or two. And there's a lot more brain changes. You have to step back and then step into it and back and forth. And it was it was exhausting in that realm, but a different experience versus going in as a guitar player, songwriter, singer, and just focusing on the songs. Did you do it in Pro Tools? Uh-huh. Gotcha. Nice. Um, and Wes, with these songs, do you bring anything different? Because I, I, since you've only been playing with them, what, six to eight months? Yeah. Like you said, um, do you yeah. did you just kind of follow along with what was already laid down, what was already written, or do you kind of bring something new to these um, right now? Or are you just kind of waiting for the newer songs that he's writing to, in order to bring your own personality into it? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd be more interested to hear if you thought that I bring new things to it, Jonathan, because he'll send me demos like he's talking about, mm-hmm. and I'll try to follow it or you know make a chart. Um, I think it just depends on the song. If it's one of the ones that's already all produced out, then it probably he's playing it pretty similar. But if it's something that I've sent that's recorded on my phone and it's like right. a yeah, chorus true. and a verse, then he's probably adding a lot of stuff or, or going off whatever idea I had from the start or I don't know, different for whatever song. Well, sure. coming from a drummer standpoint, I thought the first thing we noticed, oh, he doesn't have any many cymbals, you know. Yeah, you and brought in what, a ride? <clears throat> yeah, a ride and hi-hat. That's, yeah. that's what you set up. And yeah. you know what I told him? I said, well, Quest Love doesn't play a bunch of cymbals. You know? yeah. yeah, dude. And that dude's <laughs> all over the pocket. Uh. So, I mean, you know, there's different types of drummers, and some drummers just play really pocket and, and hold the groove down, which is kind of what I was getting from hearing you play. Yeah, totally. You had some fills in there, but they were tasteful and fit for what the song needed and there's nothing worse than hearing a drummer just that's for hit a bunch of junk that doesn't need to be hit you know? <laughs> for playing with so, so many away. different drummers being a solo option playing with so many different drummers that's what you want is someone who plays like Wes because it's crazy that you have to tell people or I didn't know at first but then learn and people just play way too much way too many fills way playing too for many. themselves and not for the song yeah, yeah. and so well you do this nice this cool thing where when you're kind of getting into it you close your eyes and you just like feel the groove as opposed to trying to want to be the star, which yeah. there is a lot to be said for a foundation that sits on the foundation of what's going on. And that and comes from experience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's what I was going to say is, because I'm a writer myself, not with Jonathan yet. Hey, yo, hey man. Co-writer. Yeah, yeah. I totally was, we should write <laughs> bass and drums first and then go off that. That'd be cool. Start with a groove or something. Yeah, that'd be that'd cool. Be fun. Yeah. But um, as a writer, just in my own music or my other projects, I think uh, I really think about lyrics and and sometimes my kick patterns, I'm really trying to match up with those guitar changes because I think that's one thing that I do change from like the demos is sometimes the kick pattern. I'm like, well, it just makes more sense to do it this way. Well, it right. ends up emphasizing like the vocal, uh, like whatever the vocal emotion is trying to say can all be emphasized by these guys and the rhythm. Section, Absolutely. They yeah. do so well. So there's some like important moment of the song where I'm really letting out my emotion and they're going to emphasize that somehow or make gaps and stuff, which right. they do instinctively. So. And a lot of that has to do with arrangement. And I was going to ask you about whenever you were playing bass, cause you said before that you'd kind of thought of the bass as a almost, you almost didn't think about it as uh-huh. an instrument initially. So having played, did that maybe influence the way you thought about arranging your, your songs from then on out at it, all? It puts things in perspective of like the team and the unit. Right. Because um, the bass fills up more sonic space, if you're thinking about speakers, than anything else. It's taking mm-hmm. up so much room. And so 
if the bass stops playing for a phrase and then comes back in, that change is going to sound huge. It's going to sound way, way bigger than if the guitar player does a solo fill or the drummer does a fill. It's going to be way bigger if just somebody stops playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think trying to recognize stuff like that and that the bass... The bass moves the booty. It was just controlling, yeah. controlling so, so much stuff that people weren't noticing, that the normal listener wouldn't really notice, but you had so much more control over what was happening with the bass. Right. Um, and that a lot of the stuff outside of that rhythm section is, I mean, I don't know. When I first recorded when I was 15, I would probably thought like the guitar solo was going to be the most important part to be right. Right. But really the drums and the bass need to be right before anything. Most mm. guitar players think that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's <laughs> not, not even, it wouldn't even it's not the importance level, not that you don't want a good guitar solo, but like you could have a sloppy guitar solo and sloppy lead parts throughout the song, but if the bass and the drums are fine, then this you're not really gonna notice that much. You could even throw a delay on it and it would sound like it was meant to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But you can't do that with the bass and the drums. Absolutely. Um, all right, Wes, do you want to introduce us to the next song, uh, In the Universe? Uh, this is Wes Armstrong, and you're listening to In the Universe by Jonathan Fox, and we are in session at Jack Rabbit Soundcheck.
Uh, welcome back. We're here in the studio, Jackrabbit Soundcheck, with Jonathan Fox and the, his band, Jonathan Fox Band, which it may become Jonathan Fox. Yeah, see, we're still talking about Jonathan Fox, Timberlake, or J Fox. Right now, I've just been going like J Fox and Company, you know, kind of. cool. Okay. There's no Company's tag cool. for it right yeah. now or hashtag right now. Right. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. J Fox and Co. I, I don't know why J Fox makes me think of luggage. Like you know, it's, it's, huh. it's hard to choose because with jo- Jonathan Fox, <laughs> there's a lot of nicknames. Yeah. yeah. What so. if it's just like Fox and something? Well, wait, that, I mean, cool. the big joke was like Jonathan and the Foxes. <laughs> I'd do that. Chimmy and the Chongas. kind of cool, Jimmy right? <laughs> Johnny Fox band. There's like there's certain friends in my life who get really passionate. Like, you got to call it Johnny Fox band. I think Sam, uh, Dylan's like, you got it, Johnny Fox band. Really? And then another guy's, can you please just do J Fox, man? So I, I How do you feel it. about the name Johnny? Because, I mean, before we even started this, I asked you if you prefer to be called Jonathan or John, and you said Jonathan typically. Yeah, I don't want to be called, I don't really care, honestly, because I like just having different nicknames. Sure. People have different nicknames to call me, but I wouldn't really care so much to be called Johnny in regular day, but Johnny's like a unique stage name. I think that might be kind of cool because okay. it kind of sounds childish, but you could be like rock and roll. Yeah, but then you get big, you see someone out like at Whole Foods, like, oh my God, it's Johnny. It's Johnny Fox. Oh my God! I want an Fox. autograph. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I'm just trying to prepare you early. But if yeah. the name Johnny contributed to me getting to that situation, then I just okay got to deal it? with it. You know. Well, there you go. Um, so I noticed listening to your records, also kind of doing a little bit of research. You you transitioned from doing some country. Now you said you started off more punk rock, and then you kind of got into some country stuff. Yeah. For for a little bit, kind of heavy with the time record, and even you know some influence on the twenty uh, something Runaway record. But this last record you put out, Loverlust, mm-hmm. is that the name of it? Yeah. It does not really sound country at all. So no. what was w- the transition from kind of the country sound, the country influences and in playing to what you've got now, which is a little more singer-songwriter? Um, I think after finishing 20-something Runaway, things became more... Like, I think when we were recording that, we never said it was a country record. We said it has a couple country songs, but we knew at that point we weren't really, like, a country band. Right. But we could play country venues. We could do something like that. And then uh, I think over time, with the band formation and not trying so hard to play, like, straight-up country venues anymore, I think pop rock was what we had in mind. The records I was listening to and really liked were, like, pop rock, and it's how I wanted to kind of produce it into sounding something like that. Uh, definitely me playing bass evolved it into something like that too. Okay. When you say pop rock, you're talking more like John Mayerish type stuff? Yeah, or even like, um, that's a good uh, example. Or, Songs for the radio is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't ever, it's something different from like rock thinking of um, Foo Fighters. It's not that kind of rock. Right. Uh, it's, it's like lighter sens- rock. There's still sensitivity <clears throat> in like the lyrics and stuff. Um, but it's all a lot of it's guitar based kind of stuff. I wish I had some more more examples of. I have I have an actual playlist. Is there like a like a what I like thought of for that record? Okay. But you, I'm sure, do have some songs that are a little heavier, more rock, and you know you have some slower songs like Nobody Knows. Mm-hmm. So you mix into the more sensitive stuff, more singer songwriter as well as occasionally throw in a rocking song, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I guess if you went through that list, there's like one psychedelic song, there's a few acoustic songs, but most of them, if you were going to answer easy, it would just be rock, pop rock. Because you were talking about Grateful Dead. Yeah. And I used to love the Grateful Dead. I mean, I still do, but it's not but like I throw it on. Yeah, I don't listen, yeah. listen to it a ton, but I 
had my moments with him for sure. Mm -hmm. And I love his guitar playing. And I love covering Fire on the Mountain. It's just so much fun to to jam on, honestly. Yeah. I when, could jam on that for When a long I was time. like, I don't know, 17, I just left town and went on the road and went to Vegas. Didn't tell anybody where I was going just to go see the Gravel Dead. Oh, that's cool. You know, and I'm glad I did that because <clears throat> Jerry died like that next year. And if I hadn't oh, wow. gone to those few shows, and that was a weird thing because Dave Matthews was opening. Oh, wow. wow. But it was great. It was hot. Yeah. It was really hot. Yeah, oh, I had yeah. Um, this list now. Like Pete Yorn was someone I oh, phrased yeah, out. Oh, yeah, I love Pete Who Yorn. I got into music for the morning after so much in high school. I still listen to that. Yeah. There's Ryan Adams on here. There's even like oh, Jack Johnson stuff, Matt Wirtz. Just, I saw Pete Yorn uh, last year at ACL, and he put on an amazing show. He's great, man. He, yeah. You know he's originally a drummer. I was there at ACL. I didn't know he was a drummer. Yeah, he was originally a drummer, man. His stuff, he's a great songwriter. And I, a good drummer. I hadn't got to see him forever, and I was ecstatic to get to see him and singing along whatever I knew. It was a great show. Yeah. And, uh, what, and Ben Queller, that was mm -hmm. someone okay. I was kind of yeah. framing after that last record. Um, I could hear that influence. Yeah. That's pop rock for sure. Yeah. Ben Queller, Ryan Adams. My uh, best friend's name is Ryan Adams. He gets so much shit. Yeah. <laughs> is he a musician? Uh, yeah, he plays guitar. Oh, no. It's actually really good. Yeah, yeah but you can get some gigs like that, though. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a little more metal. Yeah, uh, he's a lot more metal. He's well, like Ryan Adams puts out metal records, too, so. Does he? Uh-huh. He's got a couple. I don't know that they're very highly acclaimed. Uh, I don't think he really. I have to check them out, see if they're kind of like garbage or if they actually work out okay. Yeah. Okay, so going from... Um, 20-something Runaway to the Lover Lust record. I now, granted, I'm going to let you know, I haven't listened to both records in full, but I have heard songs from mm -hmm. both. And on my way over here, I was listening to some, and I heard a couple of quote-unquote love songs from each. Now, the one that I heard from 20-something Runaway seemed a little, um, a little more loose, a little more along the lines of having the theme where... You would rather be out feeling something than feeling nothing. I think it's called Beatless Heart Blues. Beatless Heart Blues. That was it. But then the one that I heard on Loverlust seemed a little more introspective and a little more like you might have been starting to look at yourself and see that maybe you romanticize things a little uh, when it comes to certain things like that. So, mm -hmm. what kind of personal growth was there in between those two records that might have kind of constituted that? Um. I think... Uh, Have you even put any thought into that? Yeah, uh, with, like, growing up, probably the start of the 20-something runaway, I don't think I was probably dating very much, so there was probably not a lot. I was probably more just lonely and wishing about dating. And then as I started dating, you kind of... I mean, people might have all different experiences, but you start dating and, like, nobody told me how you date. Right. So you kind of learn as you go. Yeah. And it's not, like, of course, like, the end goal, you want to like, fall in love and find someone. But you're also wanting to have fun and meet people and uh, hang, just hang out with people and have fun and, and learn along the way, I guess, even what you're looking for. Because you don't, I don't really know what you're hoping to get out of this other than... A relationship? So, yeah, a relationship, something good, something like that. And so love or lust is kind of after dating a little bit and starting to think about what... It, what do I want and um, whether the things I was doing was actually getting like real love or whether it was just kind of like filling the void lust yeah. right. or lust or love. Yes, that exactly. The title. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think the first one is, is kind of a song just speculating about it's like angsty. The first one, be less hard is angst about um, being lonely 
and just mm-hmm. wanting anything to happen. And then I went and, you know, kind of make stuff happen, but it's not perfect or is it perfect? Or, I mean, how do you know it's not or is perfect when you haven't actually had anything else to base it off of? Sure. So how was the dating scene? The, it was... Um, it was interesting. It was there was fun times and there's frustrating times. Are you in a relationship now? I am now. So okay. on the release, I was wondering why you were saying was. Yeah, he's okay. off the market, ladies. <laughs> uh, the release of that record, Love or Lust, I met my current girlfriend about a year ago. Okay. So when did the Love or Lust record come out? November. No. July. Okay. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> this is like this, uh, this like fun phrase of Mad Men where some guy's really drunk and he's he's recording on under tape recorder for a book about his own life and he's like, "That was 1937. No, 1942. No, 1951." <laughs> just hopping way around. Anyways, I'm big so, Mad Men. So, fan. do you have songs about your current girlfriend? Yeah, uh, in the universe is about her. Oh, nice. Um, that's the only one I played today. That's the third track that that you're gonna hear from these guys. Yeah, and um, yeah, I've written plenty, bunch of different songs about all, all that. I mean, it was just totally different now because that's kind of the last record is kind of like speculating what should a relationship be? Are these relationships? Is this what I'm looking for? And then this is like all the inner workings of not all the inner workings, but like actually being in a relationship right. and what it means and what you go through and not exactly. and still not knowing you still don't really know because yeah. this is this is this gives some sort of like uh frame of reference for the past but this is all i have to compare that in the past i don't know you know and you've started your learning process on it and you're kind of getting things figured out and you're moving as you go and you're this is like a snapshot in in time uh-huh. for you both these records sure okay awesome cool wes what about you are you in a relationship yeah, um, actually, in one of my other bands, Edison Chair, one of the singers, Rachel. Really? Mm, yeah. You're dating one of the singers of the yes. other band? Okay, cool. Right. And it's worked out well so far, so I better not screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might be good she's for better, you. She's better than me, so. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell her that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to introduce us to Nothing to Lose? This is Jonathan Fox. This song is called Nothing to Lose. We are live in session with Jack Rabbit Soundcheck.
Listening to In Session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack, and we are in the studio with the Jonathan Fox Band, also known as possibly just Jonathan Fox. Mm -hmm. They're still figuring that out, but you guys, uh, you should go check them out. They play in Austin pretty regularly. So the last record, Loverless, came out about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago at this point. Uh Um, Are you writing anything to get into the studio again anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal. Because uh, when I finished that, I probably didn't write for a few months. Okay. And then, start of January, it was just to try and finish songs at first, just write, just to write, and then try different writing styles to get something different. Because I was writing the same songs over and over. Okay. Uh, and so that's been a process for about six months of starting in January, trying to write about different subject material and not just the same stuff, or really find what I want to say. Uh, but it's just been a lot of trying, a lot of trying different things for songwriting. So it started most of the time I write on an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. 80% of the time, and I'd write the song, like the riff would come first and then maybe a chorus melody and then the lyrics, and I'd write it all together in a couple, an hour or two. And so now I tried to write lyrics first with no melody, no music, and then go back. Nobody Knows was the first time I'd really done that. Okay. I sat at a coffee shop and wrote, probably while like listening to some like instrumental music, wrote, wrote kind of like song poetry notes too there's like Mm -hmm. notes in it and i ended up with a bunch of verses and choruses and then i go home and pick out which parts might work well which is just a different approach that i had not done before and then after acoustic then a band kind of made that that groove so a different way of evolving and then learning piano uh, which was kind of i just dabbled until january that was like my new year's resolution so now i can actually play the piano and so I would write on the piano or recently been writing on electric piano or synth stuff or writing based off of a bass line. Any different kind of approach is what I've been mostly doing. So with that, though, comes a lot of songs and 
now I got to go in and figure out which ones or like anything and panning for gold. I'm just got to sift. You can't kind of do it, and I'm almost like thinking there's there's opportunities to take take verses from this and throw it courses of that connect them. It's mm-hmm. hard though because there's there's a lot to sift through, and I don't always know at first what's gonna turn out. Like I kind of at this point in time need some other feedback from people I trust to be like, that's a good one. We should elaborate on that. Gotcha. Well, uh, Wes, what kind of input do you have on this? Like, are you guys more of an actual band or is it more of a, like it's your project and then you, you bring these guys along who you trust to, to kind of support yeah, you in what you're doing? It's always mostly been a solo project thing. I always am open to a band experience. I like being able to be creative like that band experience. But mm-hmm. the way I've just ended up kind of doing it since I started was solo. I was always writing stuff that was about my life, important to me, and choosing the styles and booking the gigs and then kind of putting things together around that. Gotcha. But I'm not, it's not like rigid. Like if he has suggestions creatively about stuff, I'm going to listen if, if it's going to make the song better. Sure. And Wes, do you actually write? Because I know you said you focus on lyrics and things like that. You play guitar as well? Um, not too much. I've actually been working on bass more. I can play piano as well. So Okay. Uh, but in some of my other projects, I started out as a lyricist. So oh, just nice. doing that. And then I would say like, ah, oh, man, it needs to go up here. And they're like, up to what? And so right. I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. <laughs> so I yeah. had to pick up a guitar and start figuring out progressions and, and things like that. And it's helped me. But with Jonathan, I think, um, especially some of the newer songs, like he mentioned, he'll bring a demo or maybe a phone recording. And in that way, I can help shape it just through the, through the drum part. Um, so far. Okay, nice. Well, I mean, that still works out. And it's, it's nice to see a band member who kind of is competent and confident in their place within the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of refreshing to see. Yeah, I, was, I wanted to see if there's anything you guys wanted to talk about and anything you all wanted to bring in, maybe talk to your audience about. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just bouncing off practical subjects. that We, we chat a lot about the industry in Austin and yeah, positive negative think, thinking about other cities and what Austin has to offer versus other cities. And like, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess I think if you ask any artist at a certain period of time, they probably say they were figuring out like different points in time. They're trying to figure out their sound, right? A little different versus trying to figure out the sound is just, I want to find without just for the purpose of being unique, something that's different. Cause Austin is so saturated. Yeah. There are so many bands and not only is that frustrating as a, as a, musician to try and compete with that but there's so many that sound so similar yeah mm-hmm. I and agree with that. I, and yeah. i could even be guilty of that in some ways and so just trying to do something different that is not just the same rock setup of bass drums guitar even though we did that a lot but like <laughs> not the same setup with the yeah. same sound doing the same thing i mean i for a long time obsessed with 60s and 70s music which i still really love but i think that time's gone so you you gotta you can grab a lot of influence from there, but I mean I don't I don't see a lot of point for me of redoing that over mm-hmm. again the same way. You need a pedal steel guitar. You know I I, I said that the other day. You've been saying that for this whole week. I, <laughs> you like the Dead. You like they've had pedal steel in some of their songs. Yeah. You you played country. I mean it's sort of fitting. So that so there's I played with little when I played Twenty Something Runaway. So there's some steel on that record. Oh. And I mm-hmm. was playing sometimes with a steel guitar player. Like ideally someone who could play steel guitar and also guitar and keyboard. And I so then I could play piano and 
guitar. There you go. If anybody out there is listening, plays those instruments. And we can swap. Give them a call. Anyone that can do all those has a bunch of bands. And you might not be able to afford to pay them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's, I don't know. I want to at least like put in more influences of stuff I like. I don't know which one I want to do focus wise. If I can't blend them all together, maybe I just blend them all together. But like we've done, like last night was a step in a different direction of just trying different styles. Like we played a psychedelic Tame Impala song, totally different from what we've I've played before. Or then like R&B, which you're going to hear that Frank Ocean cover. Yeah. Um, but so just exploring yeah. stuff and trying to come up with something different and worth listening to. Like my goal would just be to have a song good enough that people have to listen. It's not some gimmick or, I mean, maybe there's a gimmick that isn't negative, but well, do you have some kind of like an organized method of maybe finding new ways of standing out from what's going on? Like, um, you know, chefs, for instance, they'll travel the world and work underneath other chefs in order to get new influences and new ideas, things they may not have thought about before, so on and so forth. Do you have something kind of organized for that? Or do you guys just kind of, like, as far as the covers go, is it just let's pick the song that we like and let's see if we can make it as different as possible while yeah, still like keeping it the same vein? The Beatles went to India, you know, and Jordan Harrison yeah, started yeah. studying sitar. Came back with the sitar. Mm. Uh, there's stuff I fantasize about really getting out there and, and exploring different things. I think I've learned a lot from playing bass for a long time. From playing piano now, these are just different perspectives that really opened up my eyes to stuff. And then playing just a little bit with other bands, either playing bass or like teaching too. Like you're kind of getting, yeah. you're learning the song from a different perspective. And you also learn songs that you normally wouldn't try to. Yeah. And you discover new influences or things you like. Yeah. Yeah. Just from students that pick out their stuff. Yeah. So you have like a totally different chord <laughs> progression in some type of music or way that it's played. That you could pull over to my voice then. There's no reason you couldn't. It doesn't have to be strumming the guitar, which would be right. like the most basic thing I, I yeah. could have done. Absolutely. Um, I, I have one more question yeah, before no, go you for it. Go end. I was going to say you should start playing a theremin. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> see, see where it goes. Well, so I, cool. my, I, want, I need to get, I think, practically getting a synth. A synth would be really cool to do. And a saw. <laughs> uh, I saw that actually. I saw that uh, somebody playing one of those. Of There's so somebody in edit. town that's like really good at it. Yeah. I don't know. He came into Arlen once did and he? played the saw. It was I don't know. I don't remember. Did we mic him up or did he just waltz yeah, in there with the oh, blue well, weapon? Like he's like famous in town for playing uh, the saw only. Yeah. Wow. Like bands have him come sit in just to that's play cool. the saw. Wow. And it had that spooky like, <laughs> you know, like should be in some kind of old horror movie. That's but pretty cool. Other thing I wanted to ask you before we go here. Also, you mentioned that you'd hung out with uh, Todd Siff and Free Runner and those cats and yeah. those guys. You know, I did a whole record for them here, uh, which I'm sure you saw the poster. But I did Finite Fidelity record here, and I also did. Uh, gosh, I can't. The name is esca escaping me, but it's on the poster on the Fair door. City Fire. No, I'm talking about uh, the record that. Uh, I did for Free Runner. B Sharp. Uh, B Sharp, thank you. Um, how do you know those guys? So Scott Blanco is the, my main connection, and I had recording classes at UT with him. Uh, he's a year younger than me, so my last year. And then found out he was a guitar player, and this is this is before 20-something Runaway, which before 20-something Runaway, I w it was just like a panic every time you got a gig because I'm – busting my ass to get the gig and then I get it and then I'm like well I don't know who's gonna play with me and I'm on Craigslist and it's just a huge headache <laughs> but okay. uh after I finally got past that like S Scott was I guess maybe I had Tristan at that point playing drums but I asked Scott to play second guitar and so he played on 
20 something runaway. Uh, he's got some of the parts in there. And he, we played together for like a year and a half. That I, was our I setup. I had no that idea. Piece. That's crazy. Yeah, I swear he he's like so connected in this town. You like can, the more that I find out, people, everybody knows him. He's played in so many different groups, like that. I didn't even know he played with. I didn't know he ever played with you. Yeah, we played about a year and a half, and you can tell some of his influence in that. He really loves prog rock, which I know oh, yeah. nothing yeah. about. I don't know anything about. He's it. a huge Muse fan. And uh, Queens of the Stone Age yeah. are his, yeah. that's his thing. So there's a, on the country song, the most country song on that album, we do this double chorus and it has this little interlude that is a total line. You would notice it's Scott's, right into another chorus. Okay. He's a We're shredder, though. He's, he he's is got a shredder. Skills. Have you ever heard him play the viola? Uh uh-uh. Oh man. He oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would fool around with that, I think, cool. when, when I would go to his house. I he used had to like work his little studio set up at his house. A couple of houses ago, I'm sure he's moved now, but I think he's back in an, uh, an apartment now. But what's his address? Social <laughs> <security>? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, they they came in here, did their last record, Red and Blue, and got to hang out with them a lot. And you know, uh, Ryan, their drummer, works for Live Oaks. They brought all this oh, yeah. Live Oak beer in, and nice. I mean, it was like. Spot the whole session was sponsored, practically sponsored by Live Oak. That's Brewing. awesome. <laughs> Not officially, though. and Fourth Tap. I mean, they, it was always high quality local beer, and that sounds like fun. Yeah, that's it was a good time. But that's cool that you uh, hung out with Todd as well and know those guys. Yeah, so I gotta. Uh, we go to each other's shows now, and, we, and I saw Scott at the grocery store the other week. So, oh, that was yeah. a nice little run-in. Yeah, he said he had to go eat lunch or something. Buying bananas. Stay in chat. Whatever. <laughs> Um, before we ask you guys to let the listeners know where they can find you i've got a couple of listener questions actually for the first time ever it's going to be the second first is the first first we actually had you do you overdubbed on this last song we're about to play for you guys which we haven't done for an in session session that's a first Mm -hmm. so anyhow uh listener questions number one is jonathan fox your real name that's my real name yes okay Mm -hmm. god given yep listener question number two do you know how to two-step? And if so, where are your favorite places to go? Uh, do I know how to? So really strictly answering that question, yes, I know how to two-step. <laughs> okay, but uh, you don't so much. I could, I could do like. it, you know. I think I could Can do it. Can you do all the pretzling and honey mustard and all that stuff with it? I don't know exactly. <laughs> okay. uh, so I can... I can dance a little bit. I can do a lot of the spin moves. Right, and that's the, now, the pretzeling I'm referring to. The, the, yeah, I can do. I'm good at the spins. I'm Ooh, good at the spin moves. I believe it. Just but looking at you. The actual two. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of. It depends on the situation and how good of a dancer the partner. Isn't it just is. slow, slow, is. quick, quick? Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I thought, and then then someone told me a, like a while that that yeah, that's how they teach everyone. But there's actually this weird little method, and it was all odd numbered. I don't know. That kind of just messed with me, to be honest. If you ever um, want to watch somebody do it. Go to uh, Mercer Street Dance Hall in Dripping Springs. That guy that owns that place used to own this studio and oh, this really? house. Oh, really? Nick I'm... Doden is his name. But all the locals come out two step there, and I mean, it's it's you know I you can take your yeah, lady out that, over there. And, that right? Uh, and Jonathan's two stepping in the he's studio right now with a, himself. That's pretty I, good. I, I got it. No, you, kinda, good. you kind of spin as you do it, and you go in a circle. Yeah. I mean, I, I could do it. I could. Yeah. Do it. All right. Okay. Well, thank you. So there you are, listener. We have. Uh, gotten i think a successful answer um so i guess you don't have a favorite place in which to do that i don't know i mean i just have to say like the couple places i've ever done it broken um, spoke broken i was gonna say that just because but i i mean i went there one time several years ago to get two-stepping lessons but we got there too late so we just drank beer no oh, well there you go that works out the white horse 
the white horse. They do, two, they do lessons, and then you can two step there. I've where is there. that? East Seventh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, in that case, where can our audience find you? Online, wherever. So JonathanFoxMusic.com. That's the website, and that is the. That's going to get you anywhere. So if you go there, then you'll get directed to all the social media, all the YouTube, all the music. Um, but Facebook is also Jonathan Fox. Uh, Instagram is J Fox Yaw. <laughs> yeah. J Fox Yaw. Yeah, that's actually how kind of supposed to say J Fox Yaw. Uh, I got a Twitter, Jonathan Fox, I think. I don't know. I don't tweet so much. So it's just going to be the copy from one of the other ones. Twitter. Um, yeah, JonathanFoxMusic.com. That's that's gonna be the best one. Okay. The, the Spotify stuff out there is all Jonathan Fox band because it was on my last record. So. Right. But if you, I think if you just type my name in, okay, show up. And you usually have CDs at your shows if they wanted to buy an actual disc. We'll have disc download cards. Download yeah. cards. Speaking that's of which, when is your next show? We have it in Dallas in a couple of weeks. I you know I'm gonna look at this, but I may have to get back to you guys on as far as next local show. Gotcha. Just played last night. You said it was like in a month or so. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it might be two weeks from when this episode airs. That'll be all right. Well, in that case, Vance, uh, where can people find us? Uh, www.nsessionjrss.com. Go to both our Facebook pages, which is at Jackrabbit Soundcheck, at nsessionjrss. Um, also, you can email us if you're interested in, if you're in a band and you're interested in coming on the show. And our email is insessionjrss at gmail. And uh, again, we appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks yeah, thank for you guys so much. It sounded really yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and close this out with the last song brought into us by Jonathan Fox, uh, Super Rich Kids. It is a Frank Ocean cover. It's a nice kind of a jazzy lounge tune, so I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, otherwise, hope you guys are having a great day. We will see you next time. Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce Too many bowls of that green, no lucky charms Maids come around too much Parents ain't around enough Too many joy rides in daddy's jaguar Too many white lies and white lines Super rich kids with nothing but loose ends Super rich kids with nothing but fake Start my day up on the roof Is nothing like this type of view I point the clicker at the tube I prefer expensive news New car, new gal New ice, new glass New watch, good times It's good times, babe Wash my back three times a day this shower head feels so amazing We'll both be high The help don't stare They just walk by They must don't care A million one, a million two A hundred more will never do and Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce Too many bowls of that green, no lucky charms Maids come around too much Joy rides in daddy's jaguar Too many white lies and white lines Super rich kids with nothing but loose ends Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends Real love
Searching for a real love 